Welcome to the Collections by Michelle Brown Show, a show about people living between the lines, standing boldly in the crosshairs of their intersectionality as they create change. This episode is brought to you in partnership with the Center for Peace Counseling and Holistic Healing Services. Welcome to Collections by Michelle Brown. I'm your host, Michelle Brown. Each week, we'll be talking with people living between the lines, standing boldly in the crosshairs of their intersectionality and creating change. This time last year, we first met Jayla and her magical auntie Yaya. They had just begun their travels across the country, having visited Alabama and Alaska. Jayla's Johns are the creation of our guest, entrepreneur, actress, and author, Senya Haynes. Jayla's Johns is an exciting adventure series about a fun-loving little girl and her whimsical auntie. Together, they travel and explore the culture and history of every place they go. The plan is to visit all 50 states, and this year, Haynes keeps on track with the release of two new books, Agog and Awe in Arkansas and Arizona Antics. Travel is in Haynes' DNA. As an 18-year-old, she traveled to Jamaica and for the first time understood how limited her view had been of the African diaspora. This realization put her on the course for learning and sharing with others, especially youth. She also co-founded Diaspora Discoveries to expose youth to the diversity of the African diaspora with the goal of connecting them to various cultures, both domestic and abroad. In 2015, she founded Palindrome Global Publishing and Events, a small press and event services company in Chicago. Jayla's Johns is published under the PGP&E's imprint for young readers, Oak and the Acorn. Haynes will be reading from the Jayla's Jaunt series at Chicago area venues during Black History Month. Sonia, welcome back to Collections by Michelle Brown. How are you? It's been about a year and so much has happened. When we talked last year, <laughs> when we talked last year, you were really busy, and that and that was right before you were getting ready to um, kick off Black History Month. Um, Senya, how have you been? You know, I, I've been good. Uh, I have been blessed in this time of struggle and strife for so many that you know I am still sheltered in my home. I have not lost employment, and I have been able to, as a creative who is suddenly uh, working from home, uh, been able to um, create more than mm. I had imagined I would be able to have time to do. So that, that has truly been a blessing. My, you know, I have not had illness in my family. Um, I, I, I have lost a 
good friend of 30 years, actually. She passed in December, and so that kind of threw me back. Um, it was not COVID-related, mm-hmm. though. But um, other than that, I have, I've been well, and I, I really have no complaints. Mm-hmm. Have you, has your creative process or the things that you're thinking about been influenced by all the stuff that's been going on? <laughs> Right, right. <laughs> Such a profound mm-hmm. question. Um, it's because what hasn't been influenced <laughs> by mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. the world? Um, yeah, so definitely. I mean, the summer, man, uh, I think that just kind of rocks everyone back on their heels. Um, mm-hmm. That was a really tough time uh, for me in particular. I was, I'm in the city. I'm in Chicago. Um, mm-hmm. And we saw a lot. You know, um, so with the uprisings that were happening in the summer all over the world, literally, which was amazing, um, I, I, I live in an urban area, and we were in the heart of some of the stuff that was going on. Um, so many feelings arose, you know, um, mm-hmm. and even contradictory feelings, but it did, um, did definitely influence my creative process because um, I, you know, as far as the the books that I write for children, uh, they are, you know, I center black characters and black stories. And that just really, not confirmed, but it just really gave me a sense that, yeah, it is, it's so very important to keep on track with that. Um, Also, you know, I I don't know how much we talked about my creative life, but I, I do, I have a lot of hats in the world of the arts. So I'm, Mm-hmm. Also, I'm a visual artist, and I'm also an actress, and um, work with filmmakers. And uh, the uprisings in the summer kind of gave uh, rise, if you will, to um, uh, uh, a project um, that I started working on um, for a short film, um, and that's dealing with uh, just kind of black-white re- relations. Um, so that's <laughs> something I don't think would have come up um, had you know, the world not gone the way it did because there were just so many issues in your face unavoidable um, that we were, we were forced to deal with in mass. Some, many issues that we deal with on a daily basis, but there were so many people coming out of the woodworks that were kind of in solidarity with us and in direct opposition to us that typically stayed quiet. Um, it was just a lot. Um, so as artists do, you know, you process it through your creativity. And so that was a very long answer to your question. But um, <laughs> no, that, is, no. that is one way that the, um, that the happenings of the world uh, have influenced my creative process. Yeah. You know, a lot of you is because of, of having traveled and been placed. I mean, it comes out in your books about Jayla. I mean, you – one of your early experiences was when you went to the Caribbean. And I know mm-hmm. I was in New York, and I was talking to some uh, uh, intergenerational group, and some mm-hmm. of us who are a little older, you know, and we were talking about the different places that we have been in. I've been here, and I'm like, oh, yeah, do you remember when you were there? And a young woman who was like, I'd say, like, late teens, early 20s, like, she was like, I wonder if I'll ever get to see any of that, you know, wow. and yeah. and and to like, you know, you guys, 
I mean, despite all the stuff that we had talked about that we had seen and the things that were bad, but we have been able to to go places, to leave this country, because that was like, you know, right after, you know, COVID had hit, and pretty soon, you know, you couldn't go anywhere. Do you mm-hmm. reflect upon that, you know, how much travel has has meant to you and and impacted you and that now it's not there? To Is that a way that you try to open those doors creatively? Oh, man. Do I reflect on it? Every day. <laughs> Michelle, I am, a, I am a bona fide wanderer. I have not been grounded for what, what was like 10. I have not been grounded for this long, like in years. This was the first year uh, in years that I hadn't gone out of the country. Um, luckily, right before COVID, I had traveled, but that was just to L.A., um, and Vegas. But yeah, I, I think about it a lot because <laughs> it's like my feet are falling asleep. I want to travel so badly. And um, mm-hmm. I am grateful that I was able to go the places that I have gone because, I mean, the world's upside down. Who knows when it's going to write itself, you know? I mean, mm-hmm. uh, the, the the vaccine is supposed to be the panacea that, you know, cures all. But, you know, there's some issues with that and, and, and how many people are actually going to take it. And it's like, I... I don't know when it'll be okay to just get on a plane and go somewhere far and, like, have a good time where things are actually open, you know? I had a girlfriend who um, was riding the wave of, like, you know what, I'm going to Mexico because that's the thing. Everyone's going to Mexico now because I guess they have uh, less restrict, fewer restrictions, and so, like, okay. Americans are flocking to Mexico for vacation. But just, she told me, you know what, girl, I'm going to Atlanta now because the CDC <laughs> just said now I – now I got to have a test within 24, not, no, um, within 72 hours of coming back to the state. That's what's required. And like, if you're, if you're out of the country, you don't know what their, you don't know what their healthcare or standards are like. You don't know if you'll be able to get a test, you know? So who wants to be stranded outside of the country? So I say all that to say that, um, you know, it's, yeah, it's really hard to even think about going anywhere now with all, with the borders closed and even if they weren't with nobody uh, open to do anything one would typically do. Um, so, yeah, I, I, I sit in my house and, and dream about <laughs> the places, <laughs> oh, the places I'd go. <laughs> uh-huh. uh, you know, because yeah. it's so funny. I had friends who were here, and, you know, I'm in Detroit. We're right across, you know, the river. And mm-hmm. when they had been here, like in February, we had gone to this wonderful little vegan restaurant in Windsor, and they were mm. saying, like, have you been back over there? And I'm going, like, well, we can't go to Canada, <laughs> you know? And yeah. it, it had been, like, in the summer, I regularly went to Canada, you know, mm. and it's like, you can't even go to Canada. So you wonder, you know, is, are we going into a new world, and, and what will it be like when we can finally go someplace and will they let us you know or will they right. want us you know now a lot of what you were doing you had also besides being an artist and an actress and being involved in like that you co-founded diaspora discoveries which is a 501c3 mm-hmm. how is mm-hmm. that doing so we're on we're kind of in a holding pattern right now because the, well, if you recall, that was a, 
that was a cultural exploration program and travel mm-hmm. was a heavy component. So that that's not really happening. And I do youth work with a number of organizations. And so I'm still working with a youth center. Um, and I've also, throughout the summer, actually, ironically enough, I was um, taking more trainings and getting more certifications with restorative justice and restorative practices. So I've been turning my focus um, there and looking to work with young people who are um, formerly or currently incarcerated. Um, so I've been in talks with a couple of organizations to do some mentoring in those spaces. So diaspora discoveries, I mean, that's, that's my baby. Like I, you know, that, that was a brainchild that came to fruition and it's still, it's still viable, but right now the work is kind of um, rerouted um, where the need for the youth is. Um, but it, you know, when, when, the, when the world gets right again um, and we're able to kind of go, <laughs> um, it's mm-hmm. definitely w- there, available um, when I get the right youth, when I get the right group of youth to um, provide the programming to. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. So I know that, that that was near and dear to your heart. And as you mm-hmm. saw what was happening, how, how did you, like, say, okay, how do I keep this dream alive but recognize that there's another aspect that youth need right now, which it sounds like the restorative justice is, is going into that other way. You're still providing a service for young people, but you pivoted. You know, you just sort of saw that and you said, okay, this is what needs to be done. And how, are you, how do you see that happening? Is it something that you're... Are you working with the schools? Are your school? I don't know how your schools are. I know that our schools are 50-50, you know, some are virtual, some are online. How do you mm-hmm. reach young people? Mm-hmm. Well, through my work with the youth center that I'm involved with, I am running programs. So that's out of school time. So I've been running programs steadily um, throughout the pandemic online and literally that switch happened kind of quickly. So mid-March, it was like, okay, everyone, go home. Uh, mm-hmm. <laughs> nothing happening here. By, mm-hmm. by the top of April, we had switched our whole format to virtual programming. So, I mean, it has its challenges, but, what, but it also has benefits. So, for instance, um, when, you know, when you're providing services for young people in a brick-and-mortar space, I mean, obviously the, the, the benefits, you know, the – the face-to-face contact, the being in the learning space with them, the being able to take them out on field trips, things like that, those you can't replace. But what I've learned with virtual programming and having them log on is now I can reach young people who possibly couldn't have made it to that brick-and-mortar space because we're on the Mm -hmm. south side and they're on the west side, you know, so – being in a virtual space has taken uh, away a barrier of sorts. And so that's interesting to see the ways that that can be applied. And um, I guess I work with a lot of youth-serving organizations, one of which is international, um, from Amman, Jordan. And, um, I mean, there's quite a time difference there, so I'm not providing direct service with youth in Jordan, but I constantly – meeting with them to see about how we can domestically provide for different groups that they work with because they're international all over the world. Um, and now that we are virtual, 
again, that's access to young people and demographics that wouldn't have been able to participate before. And I say demographics because I'm sure as you, you've been to Chicago, it is a very segregated um, mm-hmm. city. So uh, you, you want to find other people. You've got to go to other places, uh, literally, geographically, um, in the city. So virtual has an upside in that way. So that's kind of how the pivot has happened because, you know, the young people are still – you know, they, they still need services and now more than ever because you've got all of these social-emotional things going on with having to, uh, you know, do school online, and that's just not a fit for some young people, so they're academically struggling, um, having to be home so much more than usual, being socially isolated from their peers. Um, some people are having... Um, food access issues and some mm-hmm. people's home lives aren't the best. So, I mean, all sorts of stuff is going on. So, you know, the, 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 the services that we provide for young people in a plethora of ways is still definitely necessary. And, um, it, you know, we're fortunate that through technology we were able to pivot. Um, and it is unfortunate that some young people have been left out because of the tech divide, you know, um, and access. So there is that to always consider. But, um, yeah. Because yeah. I know a lot of places, I mean, that, that tech divide, I mean, that's what you see that's there because people assume that everyone has access to the Internet, but everyone doesn't, you know, mm-hmm. and, and that mm-hmm. you're doing it. You know, <clears throat> yeah. Do you ever find that your background, you know, I mean, you have a very, your voice just talking is engaging. And I know that you have a theatrical background. Do you find that that helps, like, keep young people engaged or even as you're reaching out to others to explain to them the importance of this? Here you're talking to people from another country. Do you call on all of those skills that you've developed over the years to make this happen? Oh, absolutely. Theater is is essential, I think, for any classwork. Uh, and it's funny, mm-hmm. I'm in a show right now at a theater company, and uh, it's funny how even theater has switched to virtual. So essentially it's film. Uh, so mm-hmm. that's like a whole other story. But, um, yeah, Michelle, in, in, in a classroom setting, um, improv. <laughs> so I rely mm-hmm. on my improv skills when stuff just kind of goes left, especially with the tech world and, you know, oh, are you freezing? Uh-oh, did we lose connectivity? Uh-oh, how do I be? Mm-hmm. I've got to be like three times as engaging as if I'm sitting in front of you or standing in front of you because now I'm just a box on a screen, you know. So definitely improv skills, uh, definitely uh, the, the, the power to command an audience. That's what theater teaches you, right? That's like mm-hmm. one of your main goals. And so that's definitely something that I have used um, since I began direct service with young people. Uh, and then, you know, just other tools um, of the trade of how to engage them so that you're not just a talking head, but pulling out of them their stories and getting their voice heard. Um, you know, uh, I think that improv would probably be the biggest theatrical skill that I use on a daily basis when I'm working with young people. And, and I'm a, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a facial person. So people Mm -hmm. are always saying how expressive I am. So 
you know, they, they, they love how Miss Senya's thoughts are totally transparent <laughs> on her face. So, you know, if they say something wild or we explore something kind of strange, they see it. So, um, yeah, mm-hmm. the, those skills definitely uh, come into play. Mm-hmm. Wow. Well, we're going to take our first break, and uh, we'll be right back because uh, I want to catch up on a few other things and then move into your new project. So we'll be right back. Mm-hmm. This episode of Collections by Michelle Brown is brought to you in partnership with the Center for Peace Counseling and Holistic Healing Services, bringing balance to your mind, body, and spirit. For more information or to schedule an appointment, visit the Center at www.thecenterforpeacellc.com. We're back here on Collections by Michelle Brown. If you're just joining me, I'm speaking almost a year to the day <laughs> with Cynthia Haynes, and she's an author, she's an actress, she's an artist, she works with youth. Okay, now amongst other things that you were doing, I mean, you were busy. I mean, you know, I mean, so I was curious to see what had happened, you know, when COVID hit, you know, did it, did things come to a stop or did you just pivot? Now, the other thing that you had done, you had done not only uh, Palindrome Global Publishing, but it did events, and they weren't like huge events. Are you still doing any type of events? Because, you know, those have gone into a virtual phase, and many people mm-hmm. don't know how to do it. They want to do the and it, I also sort of see like an intersection as you learned about doing the part where you're teaching and you're doing these, these uh, restorative justice and you're getting up on the Internet and virtual expression and performing even in the arts. Are you doing that at Wolfworth events? Yeah, so the events that I do through my company are art events. So Sip and Paint paint workshops, mm-hmm. things like that. As it is a, an author-owned publishing house, it's also a, an artist-owned event company, and that's, that's the extent of the events that I've been doing. So actually, um, those gigs did dry up pretty quickly because those are in person. So that, mm-hmm. that was like the canary in the coal mine for me. Like, oh, my, my, my painting gigs are canceling in mass things happening. So that's how, you know, artists kind of felt it first in a way, like, because gigs mm-hmm. started drying up. So those, yeah, so that that did kind of stall. But in the summer, um, I did do some different uh, events with that arm of the company because we were able to, the, the city was fairly open. Um, we were able to go outside with masks. And so I did a lot of stuff in, like, backyards and outside um, so 
but that is that that has not been the arm of the company that's been getting the most love. It's been the publishing vehicle, and I've been working on books. Mm-hmm. Now, have you been in, in conversation with other authors and things, or especially I have found that a lot of people during this time recognize that they have a story that they need to tell. Are you mm-hmm. in conversation with others who have stories that they need to tell? And how do you, you know, we don't want to, I mean, this is real. This stuff that's going on, it's real. But there's mm-hmm. a way that we are still here. We're surviving, we're thriving, and they're doing it. When someone comes to you and they're just like, they, they need to tell this story, how do you, and even for yourself, how do you keep, not the negative, but to, to show the resilience out of it or to show the lesson from these times that we're going as we tell these stories? How do you do it, and what advice would you give to someone? Hmm. Well, that's not the most applicable scenario for me because the company exists to be a vehicle to get the workout that I'm doing. So I'm not really, um, I don't really get solicitation from other authors in that way to publish their work. But I am also, I'm not just a children's book writer. Um, Mm -hmm. As a matter of fact, I have been like an arrow looking for a target to be a biographer for a long time because I, I, I see, I have a, human stories are, you know, I find them just, so interesting and they they come in all these textures and colors in the most unlikely of candidates right and so I have through my years met a lot of people that their story I thought really should be told so I have um actually I have a cousin who is getting out of prison in a couple of months and he's been in for like 25 years and Mm -hmm. I reached out to him um, saying that if he wanted to tell his story when he got out, I am totally down for it. Like, let's do the outline today. Let's schedule it. Let's get it done because it, you want to talk about the intersectionality of what's been going on and the criminal justice system, which is something that I have become involved with. And, you know, it's just it's just the convergence of a lot of different interests of mine and, like, you know, um, it, and the you know how the black body um, is impacted by the carceral system, and you know all sorts of things that I'm really passionate about. So that's a story. And then there was COVID. Like what you know, what's it like being in lockdown mm-hmm. when COVID hit? How was that? So to answer your question, the only thing that I think that could be kind of applicable for that was something that like I reached out to someone to do and those elements were kind of covered, if that makes sense. Yeah. Did you, mm-hmm. okay, one of the projects that you said that had been in the back of your mind that had not come to fruition, did you ever in this period of time go back to Snow and her Afro? Snow and, and her developing Afro. That? Mm-hmm. So you started up some stuff because uh, <laughs> I had like three people who listened to that interview that were like, oh, my gosh, I got to let, – let's talk about this. And I think I actually had a meeting with Eddie um, about mm-hmm. that at the time. And so that has uh, – that's moved a little forward. From, it's not so much in the – it's not on the front burner yet, but it, it, mm-hmm. it, 
it's not on the back burner anymore. So movement did happen with that. So um, I don't know. We'll see. To be continued. But, uh, yeah, th- th- thanks to this platform, I, you know, just, just speaking something that had been, you know, in the corners of my mind for quite some time, uh, I learned that there are people who have, like, a great interest in something like that. And so, you know, I take that to heart, you know. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. I mean, you know, it was such a great story. I mean, it's such a great title. I mean, and visually you can see it. You can see it in, in so many things. And, you know, I I hope that you that you – well, next time when we talk, you're going to say, you know, girl, I've been working on snow in her ass, girl, and we're about mm. ready to go. Mm-hmm. Mm. Mm-hmm. From your mouth to the creative ears, yes, indeed. I actually, mm-hmm. um, I, Ed, Eddie Pierce of Rainbow Room Publishing, he has, mm-hmm. um, they have an anthology coming out. Um, that's a project that is exciting to me because I have a short story in it. And my art is um, the cover for the book. So that's oh, a double wow. whammy for me. So that's something that's happened um, that's pretty cool. So, um, yeah, like I said, Snow and Her Afro didn't come all the way forward, but it did get some movement. Uh, but, yeah, I still have been working on other stuff. So it, it's always motion, Michelle. It really is. Mm-hmm, I mean, mm-hmm. I, I know that I don't have enough lifespan for all the projects that are in my head and I you know I just have to be okay with that at some point because it's like two three four lifetimes where it's just the ideas keep coming but you know as long as I'm working on something and oftentimes multiple somethings simultaneously I I don't feel that the time is in vain you know so Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. that's kind of how I handle it well you know I think that that's interesting how you were saying that you know there's this anthology and when we had talked before, we had talked about some of your books, and you said that, you know, I said, oh, well, did you illustrate? You said, no, I'm just writing. But here in the anthology, then you're doing the cover, which sort of one thing sometimes leads you to another and things can overlap. Do you find, like, you go through that, like sometimes, like maybe it isn't coming out into writing, but you'll see that piece of paper and you and you just want to – to draw it or you put what you're feeling into a, perf- a performance? Uh, yeah. So, the, well, so the way that the book cover happened, that's actually a pre-existing art piece that is part of a series. I have a series called Witness, and it's got a theme, and I have like, um, I don't know, six seven pieces done, and my, my vision when I want to shop it around or put on my own show will be to have like 30 to 50 pieces. So I'm not, mm. I'm nowhere near that goal, but I do have some work done that's just kind of sitting around, you know, uh, and uh, Eddie saw some of that and he liked that. So I didn't, you know, so when he was doing the book, um, I was, I was tagged to be one of the authors. And then I just happened to have something that was, uh, you know, ready to go and, and holding with his vision, uh, which is, which is a funny pun because it's actually the it's a it's an eye, <laughs> so that uh-huh. that's the uh, cover art. But um, so that was coincidental, and you know that's that goes with the you know that really uh, speaks to the principle: if you stay ready, you don't have to get ready, right? So mm-hmm, uh, mm-hmm. so that really served me in that way. But um, as far as your question, 
Yeah, I mean, I, I want to express different things in different ways. So right now with Jayla's Johns, I'm very, I mean, it's still me through and through. It's, it's black culture. It's travel, you know, but this is in a juvenile platform. It's children's books. Um, the project that really was weighing heavy on my heart and um, kind of had to be burst um, due to the uprisings in the summer I want it to, and I want to express that in film. So that's going mm-hmm. to be a script and a, you know, a short film. Because when I see it, I see scenes. You know what I'm saying? Um, mm-hmm. And uh, and witness, which is another interpretation of black life. I I I just saw that through paint strokes, and so I just picked up a paintbrush, and so. Yeah, I, you know, it's funny when you ask that question, I never really think about how these ideas come to me and, and how they ask to get out. <laughs> but I guess mm-hmm. they do ask, and they ask in a certain way to be born, you know, and it, it is different sometimes. Um, yeah. Hmm. Yeah, funny. I mean, it, it, make, it makes sense to me. But also, do you ever find, like, I have found, like, I know some – I had someone, and I was doing an open mic thing, virtual, <laughs> virtual mm-hmm. yeah. and I was doing poetry. And mm-hmm. then they saw me, I did something else, and they were like, oh, we thought you'd do poetry. I said, I don't just do that. I said, it's just however it comes to me through this way. And, you know, and they sort of look like, you know, figure out your lane, Michelle, and stay in it. But it's like... <laughs> Yeah, I'm going like, no, I'm a, I'm a multi-lane super highway. I'm doing, right. you know, I, don't know how, I don't know what's going to get me down there, but, I, you know, I'm going to take that. Do you ever find, you know, like, how do you ask people to introduce you? Because if you, they say, oh, well, she's the author of those great children's books, Jayla's Johnson, people only want to talk to you about that, but you do all this other stuff. How would you introduce yourself? Uh, <laughs> uh, uh, any or all of those ways. <laughs> it, it, really, it really depends on the platform. So, like, when I talk to you, Michelle, you go deep. You do some background research. You, you, you check the receipts. So you know a plethora of things <laughs> that I don't necessarily advertise on a daily basis. And then when you say it, it's like, oh, yeah, uh, I do that too. You know, so mm-hmm. I have a, a much longer title, if you will, when I'm um, on a platform like this. But otherwise, you know, if I'm at a youth development conference and I'll just, I'll just, I'll just be basic and say youth worker, um, mm-hmm. I, you know, I, I'm, I'm not big for the lofty titles because this mm-hmm. is why, you know. So, um, you know, uh, it, when, I do a, when I do my show for Witness, which is my paintings, I'll just say visual artist, um, you know, it, author, has, author has come up more uh, frequently um, recently because I'm getting these books out. Um, mm-hmm. But... You know, it, it really depends. Like, I'm in a show right now at ETA Theater, and I'm an actress. You know, that's that's how my <laughs> bio is going to read in the program. Sonia Haynes, actress. You know, we they don't need mm-hmm. to get into all that other stuff. That's not why they're here. So, um, it yeah, it really depends on the platform. And you know, it's like 
it's like your resume. You 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 tailor it to the job you are applying for. Basically, it's like, mm-hmm. oh well, let me put my customer service stuff up front, or oh, <laughs> these people want you know this, so let me put that up top. It's just it's just one of those. I personally just overarching. I think of myself in two buckets. I think of myself as a youth development professional and an artist. And artist, as you know, mm-hmm. is an umbrella that covers just like all that, you know, Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. same with with your development professional. So you don't know if I'm administrative, which I am. You don't know if I'm direct service, which I am. You don't know if it's, you know, some private school or if it's, uh, if it's uh, in the criminal justice. You don't know where it is. It's just youth, you know, and that's true. I do all that. So, yeah, that's kind of how I self-identify. I know. I have someone who said, how many resumes do you have? I said, well, I've got the one basic. And then I just sort of cut and paste to make it fit, you know, whatever exactly. that people are looking at it. But it, it's sort of, it's important that there are people like you, I mean, who are out there who are doing all these things because, you know, you know, just like how that, that people can see that, you know, you don't have to be right brain or left brain. We have a full brain and we can use all of it. And there are different exactly. ways that you can express yourself and, parts mm-hmm. of you, although you're not talking about the actress part of you, but as you're doing something virtually with young people, there's a part of you that's going to come through that's mm-hmm. going to, to move things, you know. Mm-hmm. Yeah. God bless a transferable skill set. <laughs> hey, amen. Amen, yes. sister. Amen, you know. Amen, yes. you know. Uh, mm-hmm. And I tell people, you know, it's okay to do all those. And to not be afraid to try something different. Yeah, absolutely. Like, mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. So, and I think that when you're in the arts, there are so there are so many different things to try. You know, mm-hmm. like this year, um, I'm reclaiming two titles that I haven't had in years. Like years ago, 20 years ago, I would have said poet. I haven't said that in mm-hmm. a very long time, but. Now, for my practice, because I think you and I talked about, you were like, well, what's your writing uh, practice? And I was like, mm, it's scattershot. But now, <laughs> every day I'm writing. And, uh, you know, I'm just trying to pin myself down. Every day I'm doing some creative writing. And what did I decide to do? I'm doing haikus, Michelle, because they're short and sweet. And I can say that I did it. I can complete a thought or a feeling in a very short amount of time. So I'm right, I've been writing haikus every day all year, you know. And I started mm-hmm. writing songs again. Um, in October, which is something that I hadn't done in years either. So, I mean, you know, I'm just pulling, pulling out what feels right at, at the time. So, yeah. <laughs> Do you find that, you know, this time, because we aren't as social as we, as we did, that it has in some ways helped you to get in touch with those things that maybe you sat over here, you gathered a little dust, you know, here or maybe fell on the floor and you forgot it was under there and picked it up, that you've gotten in touch with a lot of these things. Do you think that the person that you are now is more in touch with so many more things than maybe you were this time last year? More feelings, more thoughts, more creativity? Definitely, because of just the intensive time to reflect, right? I mean, uh-huh. I've gone, like many people, I'm sure, through the gamut of emotions. I mean, when this this thing first hit, like, I kind of shut down for a whole week. Like, every day on the news, how many people are dying and what services Mm -hmm. and what 
what things were being limited. And it's like, whoa, what is happening? Like, I, I couldn't deal. And then, you know, uh, uh, you know, it, it slowly but surely you adjust. I can still vividly remember the first time I went to a grocery store. I was terrified. Came home, rubbed down with alcohol, all the box <laughs> peas. You know what I'm saying? Like, we did not know what this was. We did not know how we could catch it. Like, everything was frightening. And, you know, I can laugh at it now, but I was not laughing that day. I almost had a panic attack in the store, and I came home, and I had my full hazmat gear. So, you know, the, so going through those kind of emotions and having to, like, dial yourself back and, you know, just living last year, it was traumatic in a lot of different ways, you know? Um, so I... You, you think about that. You go through that trauma or you go through that experience or range of emotions, and then when you're back to your, your right self, you, you think about the journey you've just been on. So I think definitely the amount of reflection that this year has given, uh, you know, many people, uh, you know, and I can only speak for myself, has, you know, yeah, I mean, just lots of things to think about. And so I've mm-hmm. definitely – know who I am uh, in a different way than I did this time last year because I've been paying more attention, you know. Um, Mm -hmm. And then, like I said, I've been blessed to be able to transition from, you know, working outside my house to inside my house. And, you know, I've never been in my home this much since I bought the place. I've been here for 10 years. You know, it's like I've been outside of it trying to keep it, and now I'm inside of it and in a lot of ways enjoying it, but just being in my own space. Um, so, yeah, I was able to dust off, you know, the, the poet in me, the songwriter in me, because I was able to kind of think more, remember old dreams, mm-hmm. you know. And you asked earlier about um, anything else about this uh, year that just passed that kind of informed or inspired my creative process. And me, I'm, I'm, a, I'm not a hoarder, but I, I have things. <laughs> that I have had for a very long time that I know that I know I will have use for in the future because I've had use for them in the past. For instance, upstairs next to my bedroom, I have my studio. So it has music stuff. It has my art stuff. And I have, like, bags and wrapping paper and, like, different things mm-hmm. that I need at different times. And so I literally go shopping in my own house. It's like, oh, I've already got that, you know. So I have them organized, but I have them. And... Um, mm-hmm. I kind of do the same with thoughts and ideas. And so I'm not a social media person really, but during the summer, Facebook, Instagram, they were on fire with everything that was going (laughs) on. So I was screenshotting all of these memes and news updates and literally my phone. I'm glad I have a lot of megs on my phone because I have thousands of pictures and I know I'm going to do something with that at some point, you know, so it's like I collected because it was history in the making and I couldn't Mm -hmm. let it pass me by. Um, So now I have it and I know that at some point it will be time to review and sift among, you know, that data and I I, I feel the creation coming out of it and I don't know what it's going to be. I don't know how it wants to express, whether it will be a lyrics, whether it will be a video, I don't know, but you know, I, the, 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 the raw material is there. So, mm-hmm. 
Yeah. I mean, <laughs> when you, you said shopping in your house, I knew exactly what you meant. <laughs> <laughs> you know, yeah. I'm going like, you know, <laughs> and I, I just like shake my, I mean, it's like, you and me, girl. You and me. <laughs> yes. And it's, I'm so delighted when I do it because it, it, it validates me and it's like hot to all those people who are like, girl, mm-hmm. throw that away. It's like, no, it has use, you know? Like, mm-hmm. I remember one occasion I, I went out, I think this was probably before COVID, but I went shopping in my closet for purses. I got thousands of purses. I don't use them all at the same time. And I found this purse. It's a cute little purple suede number I've had since I was right hands to the creator. 14 years old, but it's, mm-hmm. it's mine, it's cute, it's suede, and that was the perfect occasion for it, and I used it. It was several mm-hmm. decades later, but hey, you know, so yeah, shopping in my own house, that's the thing I love to do. <laughs> and someone looks and they're like, oh, wow, that's nice what you get there, but, you know, <laughs> shopping mm-hmm. at home, you know. Uh, exactly. My own home shopping network, and it's not what mm-hmm. you're thinking. <laughs> mm-hmm. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Oh, boy. And, you know, another thing that, that we talked a lot about and that we clicked over was our our love of books. And, I mean, which I guess mm. is why it's, it's not surprising that both of us, you know, have that. I mean, I think that I have lots of books. And I think at that point in time I had told you, you know, how my, my granddaughter had been born yes. in September 2019. She loves mm. books. Um, oh. The other day, I mean, this child loves books. Um, when she came <laughs> here in February, and I had books, and she knew that she'd be watching it, and if you didn't turn the page quick enough, she'd pat your hand. You know, mm. and I'm like, oh, you want me to? And recently, <laughs> at 15, no, for Christmas, I sent her a little package of books. She has her own library, but I sent oh, her a no. package of books, and um they let her open it, you know, FaceTime, and she ripped them mm-hmm. open, and she sat there and opened these books, and it was like she was turning the pages, and my son mm. took a picture of her sitting on the floor with a book open, like, you know, I love it. she knows that there's something about it. Books have been important to both of us, and I think that, you know, I love all this other media stuff, but there's something about a book that... Mm-hmm takes you away, that introduces you to different things that talks about relationships. And I think that that was one of the things that really first drew me in. And we'll mm-hmm. talk about your new, the latest iterations in a minute. But when you talked about Jayla's Johns and how she had this magical aunt who, mm-hmm. uh, yeah, yeah, who came in. And so it wasn't just about them traveling, but it was about this beautiful relationship and the relationship that, that a child can have with an adult. In this case, it's a little mm-hmm. girl with a woman who doesn't have to be her mom and it doesn't take away from the mother, but it was, it was that beautiful. It was, it, that really was. It was like really touching. It made me think Thank about you. an aunt. Um, you sent me two books. You signed them. Uh, Sophia has them in her, in her library. Aw, um, good. Yeah. That is so important. And the fact that you've gone into writing these books, especially, you know, earlier how we were talking about the places that people aren't going to be able to go and might not even mm. be there. I mean, we don't know what 
um, Alabama or Alaska is going to look like by the time next year. <laughs> you know, everything is changing. Or when they are, and your books are going to open that and open these relationships. Mm-hmm. During this period of time, did you really, did the importance of what Jayla and her aunt and what they were doing, the importance of these series, not, you know, above and beyond, you know, teaching them about different places, but did that relationship, did you think a lot more about that relationship and how you wanted it to develop as it went forward and has and did it? Well, I always think about Jayla and Auntie Yaya's relationship in the form of a memory that I'm trying to project mm-hmm. forward, if that makes sense, because I was mm-hmm. blessed enough to have a magical auntie. I mean, I just, my aunt um, came to uh, live with us when I was seven, and she didn't leave till I was seven, 16. So she helped raise me and my sister and then my brother, and um, she was everything to me. She was, she was my playmate. She was my confidant. She was my, my fellow explorer. She, she was that grown person who was not a parent, and, but, but, you know, had my best interest in mind and wanted me to thrive in a way that I think my parents didn't have the luxury to um, focus on. You know, if, are you safe? Are you fed? Are you, are, you, are, are you learning in school? You know, they, they needed to mm-hmm. make sure that I developed as a human and I was okay. She sparked imagination in me. She gave my Barbies different voices and we played. She, you know, <laughs> she, she, she took it to another level. She made sure that my emotional world um, and my, my, my belief in possibilities was thriving as well. And as, I, and as a child, I knew that that was awesome. I was like, oh, this is great. Everyone needs an auntie like that. And actually, I shared her with my friends. Um, everyone mm-hmm. else was like, oh, man, your aunt's cool. And so they kind of adopted her. But um, as an adult, I realized how priceless, priceless that was. Um, so when I, when I write Jayla and Auntie Yaya, um, their bond is solid. Like that, that's like a given for me. And I always reflect that in the way that Auntie Yaya is so passionate about the experiences that she curates for Jayla. Um, Mm -hmm. And so I'm really in each book, really just trying to continue to replicate that magic that I, that I knew. Um, so I, I mean, I guess everything, everything has the potential to grow, but I kind of started out knowing that like, yeah, these two are solid. I don't know if they can get any deeper, you know, but I can, I know they can go further and see more. And I think that in a way that is uh, a barometer of their relationship and how it grows too, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. 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 And, you know, especially, and you know how you talked about how that aunt can be that other person, especially now when you've got the parents might be working at home. Mom not mm-hmm. only has to work at home, she's got to do all this other stuff, and she's got to be school teacher. 
how cool mm-hmm. is it to be to know that you have this aunt, you know, somebody magical in your life to, like you mm-hmm. said, to keep that joy, to keep that that wonder, you know. Mm-hmm. And so, I mean, everybody, especially now to me, needs an auntie, yeah, yeah, you know. <laughs> I mean, hey, some days I need an auntie, yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. Um, <laughs> you know, I mean, yeah, there's nothing wrong with that, you know. But, I mean, it, it is, I thought that that was just like, Really great. I know you had done the the first two books. And we're going to take a break because you told me which books you were working on um, Mm -hmm. last year. And so when we come back, we're going to talk about these next two books. And I've seen the covers of them. They're beautiful. (laughs) Thank you. Thank you. Okay. So we'll be right back. Okay. Collections by Michelle Brown airs every Thursday at 7 p.m. You can subscribe now and listen to the podcast on Blog Talk Radio, iTunes, Stitcher, or SoundCloud. Be sure to like the Collections by Michelle Brown Facebook page and mark your calendar so you never miss an episode. And we're back here on Collections by Michelle Brown, and we are talking with Senya Haynes. And last year, you know, we were talking, I said, you know, 50, you know, they were going to spin the globe and they were going to go see the states. And I'm going to like, 50 states? Oh, that's a lot of books, <laughs> you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, you know, you said, you know, you were thinking about how you were going to do it. And, you know, um, you told me that you had already been working on Arizona and let me think. I've got it. Oh, I can't remember the other one. Um, Arkansas. Which I can't. Arkansas. You're working on mm-hmm. Arizona and Arkansas. And so, you know, at the beginning of the year, of course it crossed my mind, like, I wonder where she is with her books. And Eddie, you know, God bless her, Eddie said, guess what, you know, and I said, yeah. so she's almost there. You know, she's getting ready to launch these. Now, this time last year, you were going to go through the libraries to do the first two books. Your second two books, you're ready to go. How are you going to launch them? Uh, you know, that would be a surprise to me, too, because I have outsourced that entire process to Eddie. And God bless uh, <laughs> folks who believe in you and want to assist in mm-hmm. your dream, okay? Mm-hmm. God bless dream co-signers. So, again, just like with the illustrations, it's like, yeah, I, I'm a visual artist, but no, I'm the writer here. Someone else illustrates. Like, I'm also, I'm also uh, taking him up on his gracious offer to do marketing and different things. And so we actually have a meeting uh, next week to come up with what we actually want the launch to look like, especially since Black History Month is coming up. But mm-hmm. my main focus is, okay, 
getting the the um getting the inventory uh and so that when uh the marketing and the launch happens i have product to ship so that's mm-hmm. so we'll see michelle we'll see <laughs> mm-hmm, mm-hmm. so which came first arkansas or arizona arizona I'm thinking arizona okay mm-hmm. and what was special about arizona i know that in alabama there are a lot of historical references. What did you look for to, for these other two books? Was it like, I mean, I don't know, black history in Arizona. I'm sure there's something. I mean, you know, mm-hmm. when I think of Arizona, I think of the Grand Canyon. You know? mm-hmm. and, um, but how, did, how are they the same, keeping on the same path as the first two, and how are they different? Well, they are the same because the impetus to travel is the same. We spun the globe, and this was the next stop. Um, They're the Uh same because Auntie Yaya is the one guiding her through each adventure in each book um, and kind of narrating and giving her context. Um, They're different because in Arizona, I've introduced another character who helps with the narration, and also that character happens to be Navajo. So I've introduced mm. the culture as well. And I thought that was important because though I center black stories and black culture, I do want to uplift any other marginalized story or voice that makes sense for, for the region or the time. And so um, I know in, uh, in Alaska, I kind of allude when she spun the globe, and it's like, oh, okay, Arizona's the next place. Auntie Yaya said, oh, well, I have to call my good friend Mona since we're going to Arizona. Uh-huh. And so cue mm-hmm. Mona. And so in Arizona, uh, that's actually their first adventure. Um, they go visit Mona, and it turns out that when Auntie Yaya was a little girl, her parents took her to the reservation, and that's where her and Mona became friends. And so now she's bringing the next generation and Mona is able to tell her own story about her people and the land. Um, and so Jayla is able to get that source, that uh, information from the source firsthand. Um, and I like that because as important as I feel it is for us to be able to tell our own stories, if we're there to tell them, which is why it's important for us to be at the table, be in the room, I, I certainly believe the same for other cultures. So I didn't want uh, Auntie Yaya to kind of, co-opt that moment. And so Mona is telling Jayla herself about the Navajo, about the DNA and about their, their land and how they were moved to that land when the early American settlers took their land. So um, that's, a, that's a history lesson that Jayla learns. And I like it because, again, it's, it's another culture. And I was very, um, you know, I, I, I treated that with kid gloves. So when I was doing the research, I remember calling Arizona. I was looking for an indigenous. Uh, I called the libraries. I was looking for um, an indigenous librarian who I could talk to and kind of interview, get some information, ask if I was writing things in the correct way. I asked, actually, mm-hmm. um, in one of the earlier versions, I had uh, a DNA phrase um, that I was going to put in, but I took it out even though I got it verified that that was correct, the reason that I took it out was because it was not, 
it was not uh, the 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 American English palate would not easily mm-hmm. be able to pronounce it. So I was like, you know, I'm not I'm not trying to like complicate it. So um, I took that out. But that's the level of detail and um, method that I used in uh, trying to present someone else cult- else's culture. I definitely went to them to make sure it was sanctioned and it was okay. So that's something cool. And then in Arizona also, the black history of it is that um, the first black novelist in Arizona, uh, Margaret J. Campbell, she did an interesting thing. She moved there uh, for health reasons and she dug a hole and she built herself an underground house. So I mm. thought when I when I learned that story, I thought that visually that would play well. Like that's an interesting thing to see some some lady digging a hole, you know. And uh, so that's the other story that I put in there. And then you mentioned the Grand Canyon. We also do uh, fly over the Grand Canyon in a hot air balloon because why else no. wouldn't we? What, how else would we get home mm-hmm. to travel in a hot air balloon? Uh, and so. Uh, so then we get a lesson about you and our you know our national parks and how people of color are underrepresented in these spaces. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. Jayla, don't you think you can't go somewhere like this because you don't see a lot of people look like you? Your people built this country. This land is yours too. You know, so that kind of stuff. So that's that's uh, what's going on in Arizona. And uh, so I talked about the similarities and the differences. Another similarity is in Alaska. Um, you know, we we talked about the land a little bit, the caribou, the seals, the uh, polar bears. We talked about the aurora borealis. So nature mm-hmm. was a was a character, if you will, and the Grand Canyon kind of stands in and is that kind of character in this book as well. So that's mm-hmm. Arizona, and it's called it's called Arizona Antics, and so and it's fun. You know, it's fun. Mm-hmm. I I think they they have they have a good time. You know, there's a tea party. There's a hot air balloon ride, there's, there's, there's learning going on and, you know, poofing in and out of the picture, disappearing in the way they like to do. So mm-hmm. that's Arizona. And um, Arkansas completes the A's, actually. So now I have four books out, and that is <laughs> all the A's. So I, I'm pretty geeked about that because now I'm moving on to the C's, but, you know, uh, from a marketing standpoint, there are all sorts of things I can do with that. So, um yeah, and then Arkansas is the next book out. In you know what book, I think that I, that I especially mm-hmm. like? Mm-hmm. Many in communities of color, we don't know each other's stories, and we don't mm-hmm. lift each other up, or, we, or we'll think yeah. like we're the only ones. And to understand the dark history of this country, the history of oppression, you have to understand that you know, this has been going on for a while and to many different people. And there are, are many African Americans who have Native American in their family and they don't know anything mm-hmm. about it. And so to have Absolutely. this and the, this flow, you know, the Auntie Yaya, she was there, Mona's her friend, and you get to learn about that, that is, that is just like so perfect for this time. Because as you looked at the Black Lives Matter protests, you mm-hmm. saw everybody. Everybody. And I, you know, and it was like suddenly something had hit, and 
you saw everybody walking side by side, shoulder to shoulder. And so it's like, how perfect is there that this book is like, yeah, it wasn't just because, you know, there are all these different people. And, you know, we have a, a shared history. And I think that's just beautiful. Thank you. Yeah, I definitely want to uplift uh, and, and, and center stories of the marginalized. Obviously, we are my main focus, but we're not the only ones, you know. Um, mm-hmm. So when, you know, when region allows, I definitely want to do that. So, mm-hmm. yeah, that's Arizona and um, Arkansas. And mm-hmm. That's, uh, who do I talk about in Arkansas? So Arkansas, I do go back to, sorry, what is that, my, um, <laughs> Arkansas, I do go back to uh, what I called, uh, you know, the Black History Greatest Hits. Uh, <laughs> so we pulled out a lot of characters that mm-hmm. many people, more people have heard of than not, you know, mm-hmm. the Rosa Parks, the Tuskegee Airmen. So I did a little of that in Arkansas. I did want to make sure that I talked about the Little Rock Nine because that mm-hmm. is an important story. And it's emblematic of, like, that whole process that was going on at the time, like integration. Like, they weren't the only children that were, you know, faced with rabid racists when they were trying to go to school. Um, but they, they, they had a name, you know, so I did want to mention them. And then a lesser-known story, um, I talk about Joycelyn Elders, who was the first black surgeon general, uh, Dr. Elders. So those are the two main stories that we talk about in Arkansas. And uh, I think the imagery is just gorgeous. Um, I give my illustrator, when applicable, actual photographs, actual historic photographs, and she's able to capture it so well. And, um, again, you know, I'm not about lying to children. You know, I tell Mm -hmm. the truth. I make it age appropriate, but I tell the truth. And so we do have, uh, we do have the familiar scenes of the 60s. We have troops marching children into a schoolyard. And then Auntie Yaya has to kind of process that for Jayla, like, well, this is what we're seeing, you know. So that's what's going on in Arkansas. And uh, I think the two of them together are, are quite a ride um, if people get them together because they're, you know, such varied stories. Um, there's nothing civil rights going on in Arizona. You know, it's just more like cultural exploration with the Navajo and then a personal tale of a quirky author. And then it's very heavy in the civil rights and politics in, um, I think I said Arkansas earlier, I meant Arizona. Mm -hmm. It's Mm -hmm. very heavy in the civil rights and politics in Arkansas. So um, I I think they complement each other well. And they complete the A's. So again, I'm very excited (laughs) about that. Mm -hmm. So when as you're doing it, and particularly like in Arkansas, how did you? Where did you draw the line? Like I know you said you wanted it to be real, or like this is what did happen. Did you after you wrote and you talked about the Arkansas line? Did you go back and and filter it in any way, or how did you make it age appropriate where the kid, the children will get it? but not, you know, be freaked. You know, 
I mean, you want them to get it. You want them to understand the significance of it and it to be real, but you mm-hmm. want it to be age appropriate. How did you how did you gauge that? Yeah, I wouldn't say a filtration process happens so much as a refinement process, but really the age appropriateness that happens in the in the beginning. I write it like that, so it's not that I tell some gory, uh, albeit mm-hmm. realistic story, and then I have to you know kind of shave it down. I, as you know, Auntie Yaya, she's speaking in lyrical rhyme. And so mm-hmm. I'm, you know, so I have to be thoughtful in like what, what words can she say to tell this story in a sing-song way. And so already by having that format, I'm thinking of, frankly, the atrocities in a more digestible fashion. So mm-hmm. that process happens um, you know, as I write it, and I think that the uh, the, the refinement is just the writing process because writing is rewriting. So it's editing and, well, let's use this word instead of that word because it, it, it demonstrates mm-hmm. a better picture. Um, and, I mean, as you know, in Alabama, I believe, I mean, I have a picture of, I have a picture of Jim Crow. Uh, mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. it, but but the illustrator took it and made it more cartoony and not so kind of gruesome scarecrowy as like the original illustrations were. So mm-hmm. it, that that kind of made it more age appropriate as well. But it, I definitely illustrate like okay, the black body, the black form was a source of fodder, and people made fun of it. And um, this is a demonstration of something some some contemporary media you would have seen. So I definitely get that point across, but it's you know, it's in a lighter way, if you will. And I did the same with, mm-hmm. uh, with this. Um, so the, you know, making it age appropriate as far as the text, that comes when I initially write it. Now, as far as mm-hmm. the images, if I've used historical photographs, which I have many in here, um, it is what it is. I mean, it's an illustration of an angry mob uh, with scowls on their face and holding mm-hmm. signs that are, uh, not so nice. That's what it is. But it's also got Jayla sitting there looking at them like, huh? And I think that her reaction to it um, helps to put it in perspective because for a 21st century kid to see something like that, well, <laughs> before January 6th, but <laughs> might, be really Thank you. Hard Thank to, <laughs> might have been really hard for them to comprehend, like, what? Mm-hmm. You know, but... Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it, it, it happens, and uh, Jayla is there to witness it with her new eyes, and Auntie Yaya is there to hold her hand and distill it for her and kind of tell her what, what's really going on. So but I, I tell you, the historical images, those are my absolute favorite because, um, you know, it is what it is, and it was what it was. Mm-hmm. And, you know, tell the children the truth. Bob Marley said it, so, yeah. hmm do you do you think that do you see yourself like doing a virtual reading because you know one of the things you talked about is how um yeah yeah ha, she does she has a sort of sing song rhymy lyrical voice, and mm-hmm. you doing that i mean in lieu of being able to go someplace at this point in time and sit there and read before the kids to be able to do that virtually. Oh, absolutely, and that's what I did all last year with my first two books, especially February, Uh you know. Black History Month, February for black artists, like, that's feast time to us. So that's when everyone's Mm -hmm. calling to, 
if no other time. Mm-hmm. Um, that's what mm-hmm. everyone's calling to get you to do what it is you do. So I worked with several schools uh, last February. Actually, February was before COVID. So right, I actually, right before it hit. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was right before. So I did, I did um, a, a small book tour in February, and then I remember I initiated um, – contact or a contact that was initiated with me from some schools that wanted me to perform in February and then it got derailed. So actually now that I'm remembering, I did those readings in like May, um, but they were virtual and um, they worked great. I was able to, in advance of the reading, you know, the school ordered some books. So I was able to get them books in bulk and then I had my scheduled times to come on, and uh, you know, you know how Zoom is. You you're able to see mm-hmm. all your listeners, and um, it was great. So the answer is yes. I definitely I have done it, and I definitely anticipate doing more of it. Um, and I think that the more material that I have, uh, you know, that's just more opportunity. And frankly with the virtual world, giving folks ideas that we might not have had before. You know, you thought of a traditional book tour it is an author getting on a plane, going somewhere, right? Now uh, we all know, because we've been doing it, that you can stay home and go anywhere. So why can't mm-hmm. I get a group of Arizona children and do a reading or Alabama children, you know? So I'm definitely going to start looking into um, the regional markets uh, where the books are um, centered um, in the mm-hmm. in the near future, but for right now, um, yeah, I, I definitely anticipate doing some readings. And actually, Eddie, uh, we keep evoking his name, but I do work closely with him in Rainbow Room Publishing. He's already uh, getting a roster together for some Black History Month uh, uh, interviews and readings, um, and mm-hmm. that's for not only this series, but also the anthology that he's publishing that I told you my work mm-hmm. was in. So coming yeah, down yeah. the pipe, Michelle. Mm-hmm. Well, hey, well, you know, you have to put me down for, for the next two and the next two and the next two. Have you started this Yes, ma'am. <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, I, I, so California's been written, and I don't mm-hmm. know. I think it's because it's I'm a Cali girl, but that's, like, my favorite yet. And it's probably because it's the last one I did, but I just got the – illustrations back from that and they are great and um mm-hmm. not to take away from the ones that just came out but it's like you know I, I i behind the scenes i'm constantly producing so it's always you know the shiny new next thing for me and um mm-hmm. you know i'm really glad to get arizona and arkansas out and i can't wait for the world to receive them but in the back of my mind i'm like okay i did california and uh, that's good, you know, because mm-hmm. right now that's the shiny new thing. So, and I, you know, we talk about the Black Panther Party. We talk about uh, Miss Biddy, who was known as the grandmother of L.A. We, there's, there's some interesting figures that are named, and the illustrations are great. So I'm really excited about that. And currently what I am working on text-wise is Colorado. So that is mm-hmm. being written. So that's where I am right now. So when will Arizona and Arkansas be available? Within the next two weeks, I am awaiting my first shipment of inventory. And so, like I said, I need to uh, uh, meet and confer with my partner in crime about what the actual launch is going to look like. 
but uh, merchandise is on it's in route. So um, that should be out definitely by by February one because you know um, want to make sure they're available for Black History Month. Mm-hmm. And where will people be able to purchase them through your site? Mm-hmm. They'll be able to purchase them through my site and through Eddie's site. So my site is palindromeglobal.com, um, and then Eddie's site is Rainbow Room Publishing. And so they'll be available on both those sites. And um, I'm looking forward to doing, you know, uh, virtual readings and things like that and just letting more people know about them. Mm-hmm. Well, I'll tell you. Um, hopefully I'll talk to you before next year. <laughs> But, I mean, we've, we've definitely got a date for next year. Uh, for next year, <laughs> when the next two come out, we've always got a date. It has been a pleasure talking to you. Um, Thank you. So. I, e- I emailed you a picture of the little reader. <laughs> oh, thank you. I love the itty-bitties. Oh, they bring me joy in my heart. Let me look at that. Yes. Oh, Michelle. She is just so much. My God. Look at those cheeks. And look how she, she really looks engaged. Like she is trying to consume that information about, what is that, dinosaurs, birds? Aww. Uh-huh. I mean, you know, she, I love it. She gets, her, she gets her little books. She sits there and reads. And I look forward to adding the next two and the next two and the next two. And I look forward to the day where one day I can bring her to meet you. You know, it will be better because we will have had time to Think about things and mm-hmm. and be better. So, yeah. Sonia, thank you so much. I want you to have Pleasure a good mine. night. I want to thank our guest, entrepreneur, actress, and author, Sonia Haynes. Haynes is a creator of the Jayla's Jaunt series of children's books. Jayla's Jaunt's is an exciting adventure series about a fun-loving little girl and her whimsical auntie. Together, they travel and explore the culture and history of every place they go. The plan is to visit all 50 states, and this year, Haynes keeps on track with the release of two new books, Agog and Awe in Arkansas and Arizona Antics. Haynes will be reading from the Jayla's Johns series at Chicago area venues during Black History Month. Be sure and follow Collections by Michelle Brown Blog Radio on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. And let us know if you have a suggestion for a guest or topic for a future show. You can listen to this or past episodes of the show on SoundCloud, iTunes, Stitcher, or Blog Talk Radio. Join us next week when I'll introduce you to another amazing individual living between the lines, standing boldly in the crosshairs of their intersectionality and creating change right here on Collections by Michelle Brown. Thank you for listening.